Welcome to the Deep Waters Podcast. We pray that Christ is at the beginning and end of all we do. May openness and peace mark our conversations. As we engage in conversations about the fresh move of God, may our hearts be drawn to unity. And in all things, may this shape us to look more like Jesus. Amen. Now stag some peppermint tea in your favorite mug and enjoy the Deep Waters podcast. Welcome to the Deep Waters Podcast. We are so happy you guys joined us. My name is Jace Langley. And I'm Benjamin Olson. <laughs> <laughs> and we are excited to dive into um, the topic of worship today. Mm-hmm. We're just going to go right into it. That's right. right. Here at River House, we really value worshiping the Lord. And so <laughs> today we're just going to unpack what that even means. Um, what is worship? What can it look like? Christians in different parts of the world or in different parts of the church do it really differently. So, yeah, I feel like there's a million things said about worship and I feel like we're in a season of maybe new, kind of a new type of worship. And so I think this will be really good to get into. Yeah. I might also say that my first time coming to River House, the worship was I think the the primary thing on my mind. Yeah. I was like, wow, worship lasted for a much longer time than any church I'd ever gone to before. Yeah. And it seemed really like emotional and loud and um yeah, I mean, I think at any church probably it's really easy to come up with a whole list of critiques, positive or negative about what your worship experience was at that church. So, I think it's important that we take a minute and just dissect that a little bit. Yeah. I remember, I remember for me, like just that kind of style of worship, that's more free flowing and, um, spontaneous as some say, like that really appealed to me at river house. And I think it is a draw for a lot of people, um, because it is different from what we see at a lot of other churches. And I know there's other churches that worship like us, but definitely the church that I grew up at was much more scheduled. Each song you go through verse, chorus, pre-chorus, chorus, bridge, and you're done. Um, and here you kind of just go with whatever the Lord's wanting to make happen. I don't know how to say <laughs> yeah. that better. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you are listening today and you have never attended River House and somehow just stumbled upon our podcast, Welcome. we're glad you found us absolutely Um, and i'll just let you know that our worship services on sundays begin typically with somewhere around an hour of music lately um, where we worship the lord through song contemporary music Um, and so anyway Mm -hmm. it can take spontaneous forms it's very fluid Um, often people will express their worship um, physically by laying down on the floor or standing with their hands up and or even dancing, jumping, waving flags, (laughs) right? Really anything goes. None of those things were categories at the Presbyterian church. I grew up in (laughs) exactly. Those weren't even on the list of things to check. Right. So, Um, well, let's start from the beginning. Great. What is worship? Should I read this Oxford 
definition? That's a great thing to do. We always trust the internet with our definitions. Absolutely. Um, we'll unpack this as well. Um, so it says the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration of a deity, the worship of God. And then the other one was to show reverence and adoration, honor for God. Yeah. I like that in those definitions, it mentions nothing about music. Mm-hmm. And I think right off the bat, that's a good thing to deconstruct a little bit. If when you hear worship, all you think is worship through music, yeah. then you're limiting what worship means. Totally. And I feel like we've put church in a ton of boxes in America. We've put God in a ton of boxes in America. And I think worship completely falls into that too, where it's like worship is the beginning of a Sunday service that is no more than two hours long. And <laughs> right. worship is a few songs and yada, yada, yada. So I, I love even just starting here. That's like, Oh, it's not, that doesn't completely define my box mm-hmm. of worship. So, um, yeah. Why do we worship Benji? <laughs> like, do you want to get into that? Yeah. What's coming to my mind is with the words reverence and adoration that were in both the definitions you mm. read, I'm thinking about something being relational. Wow. And like, I adore the thing that I'm worshiping. Like my, my heart is open to it. I am paying attention to it and I'm giving it my attention. I think that's, that's something that could be said, but, mm-hmm. but more than that, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm pouring out an aspect of my heart onto it to, to show it my affection. Yeah. So like there's there's a give of something. There is a give. Yeah. Yeah. Like what does it mean to adore a person that you love? Like maybe that would manifest itself in. Yeah. I mean, there's a million kind of all the, you can think of like the five love languages even of like, I want to spend time. I want to give words of affection. I want to serve in a way. Wow. That's actually a beautiful analogy of how to worship in your life is like practice the five love languages towards the Lord. This is just me processing right now, but I'm like, <laughs> that's really beautiful. I love that. Um, I mean, physical touch is where that, I guess gets lost a little bit, you know, yeah. but we could feel his presence. Absolutely. I believe, I mean, I feel like I've felt his presence. N- maybe um, physical touch looks like a certain manifestation in the spirit for you. Whoa. I don't wow. know. That's, that's so interesting. We don't have to go into that analogy anymore, but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I would spend time out of my day. I would sacrifice maybe things that I want to do m- so that I could adore a person more. Wow. There are a few different spots within the Bible where I'm reminded about worship. One, the woman with the alabaster jar where she breaks this really expensive jar of ointment on the ground and then spreads it all over Jesus' feet and then wipes his feet with her hair. That has nothing to do with singing. And yet it's one of the greatest examples of worship. I think we get in all of scripture because it feels so wasteful how much that ointment must have cost her and the people around protest. And they say, wait, 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 this was a horrible waste. Like you could have sold this ointment and the money could have been given to the poor and it could have been fed. And Jesus says, the poor will always be with you. But you know, the son of man is only with you right now. Yeah. There's something so significant about that moment that Jesus says, 
what this woman has done will be told as long as the gospel is told. Mm, that's so good. And it's recounted and yeah. So I, I like, I like stories of worship like that because they help us reorient. What does worship actually mean? It ought to cost you something. There's yeah. another story in second Samuel 24 where David insists on purchasing a threshing floor that was offered to him for free. Um, because he's going to use that threshing floor to make sacrifices to God. And when it's offered to him for free, David says, no, 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 no. I will not make sacrifices on something that cost me nothing because I need my worship to the Lord to be costly. Yeah. You know, totally. That's, I think that's beautiful and it can help us orient our understanding of worship. Wow. That's so good. Yeah. I think, yeah, that idea of, adoration and even like I've heard it kind of put like surrendering to the Lord. Um, and then what was that Hebrew word that you mentioned earlier? Let's yes. get into that a little bit. There's a Hebrew word. Shecha. You have to clear your throat a little. Shecha. Shecha. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, it can be translated to worship or to bow down, hmm. which you know, think about who you bow down to or historically what bowing down means. Yeah. It's submissive. It's recognizing that whoever you're bowing to has honor or authority greater than you. And you are submitting yourself to that person. Whoa. I mean, I think that's a really beautiful picture of us and God and like how we are to be surrendered to him with our lives and what he wants to do in our lives. But also what a powerful word word for all the things that take place of God in our lives mm. of like, wow, I'm giving authority and power in my life over what people think about me or my job or my finances. And I'm bowing down to those things when I choose to worship them over God. And so that then they have authority over me. I don't know. That's just like a really powerful, Whoa. I don't know, image for me. Yeah, I can't think of where it is right now, but I feel like Paul uses language that makes you think when you give yourself to sin, you become a slave to mm -hmm. the sin. Yeah. Uh, it just reminds me of that. Like you become a slave because you have given authority to the thing. Like uh, alcohol could be a really classic example. Yeah. If you drink heavily, all of a sudden now it holds you captive and you need to continue to drink heavily. Mm -hmm. um, you're you know, you're not satisfied without it and insert whatever oh, yeah. vice, you totally. know, um, it's interesting that you started going this direction, Jace, cause I feel like that Oxford dictionary definition intentionally said something about adoration or reverence towards a deity or oh, God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I might amend that a little bit and take those things out and say, I think we can worship anything. Totally. I don't think it just has to be a God. Mm -hmm. I think you're totally right to yeah. say we could worship our own reputation. Uh, oh, wow. You know, like what people think of us in social mm -hmm. media, we could worship. Um, yeah. Anything that we give ourselves to yeah. and submit to and give authority to in our lives. That's fascinating. Yeah. So I guess to, yeah, that's crazy. Um, if we are to surrender our lives to God and like bow down and give authority to him and all this is encompassing worship, like what, what does that look like practically 
on a Sunday? What does it look like practically Monday through Saturday for us? Those are like, that's something I kind of want to get into. I think on a Sunday, you know, historically it's, it has been song, but only more recently, not like, I mean, the or, did the early church have songs? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Okay. Well, what's, I would say song is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> says a, a musician. <laughs> I love singing. That might be the title of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> song is fun. It should be. Um, yeah. I mean, even think in the Bible where song exists, the, the whole book of Psalms mm. are the, it's Gosh, the, the yeah. hymn book of yeah. the Hebrew people. And before that, well, after that, um, I'm forgetting the fancy name for it, but Mary, the mother of Jesus, sings this really beautiful song once she gets the vision from Gabriel of what's happening. Is that Mary, Did You Know? Mary, Did You Know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. I no, knew that what's, was what's that? Uh, people listening song to the podcast Mary, might know. Right? It has a name. Oh, okay. In church history. It's, I think it okay. starts with an M. Anyway. Uh, Moses sings a song after they're delivered through the Red Sea. And it's cool because you're told the story in a narrative fashion of what Mm -hmm. happens in the Israelites coming through the Red Sea and then the Red Sea um, closing on the Egyptians. So it's like narrative. Mm -hmm. And then everything is retold to you in Moses's song of it. Mm -hmm. So he like, there's something celebratory. Um, He he retells you the story in a creative way. And I I think the whole Judeo Christian worldview has this musical relationship with God kind of interwoven throughout the whole thing. That's so cool. Um, Yeah. And in fact, in the ancient world, Jews were famous for the way that they worshiped the Lord in the temple, uh, such that in one of the Psalms, Psalm 137 after the exile, the Babylonians are taunting the Hebrews and saying, why don't you like play your harps for us and sing your songs for us, your famous songs about Jerusalem and your God. And they're like mocking them because it's something that they had been famous for. So yeah, it was, it's like a reputation of the people of Yahweh. So we kind of were breaking the box of song as worship at the beginning. Yes. But there's actually a beautiful thread throughout all of mm-hmm. Judeo-Christian history of song as worship. I'm glad you so, said so that. So we're kind of joining in on that history when we go on Sundays and sing together. Yeah, I definitely think so. I think it's very scriptural. I think we want to break the box because we don't want to limit worship only to song. Mm-hmm. And yet we, I think, need to recognize the importance of what song has been to the history of the people of God yeah, and recognize its role in our lives, whether, whether we're musical or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if song is fun, which <laughs> it is, um, I feel like there are some churches that choose to sing more contemporary music, some that only recite hymns, some just liturgy in chant form. Yes. Um, which I'm not even that familiar with. Uh, but yeah, so I guess, is are one of those more right than the other? Why why do some people not think contemporary worship music is worship? I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's such a fun question. I'd be curious to get your thoughts on it too. I'll say, um, I was brought up in a church that sang hymns, and then exclusively. Um, 
Yeah, at least at one point it sang okay. hymns exclusively. And then there was this really tragic split of our congregation over the people who didn't want hymns anymore and wanted contemporary music. Wow. And so we had two services. There was the traditional service earlier mm-hmm. in the morning where you sang hymns and there was a choir and someone played the organ in the front. And then the contemporary service after that where you sang you know, whatever Hillsong songs were coming out. And totally. there was like a worship Shout to leader. The Lord. Shout to the Lord. <laughs> oh, what a good song. Yes. Love um, the 90s. <laughs> yeah. So there was definitely really, um, I hope that it's not as much of a problem in our culture today as it had been. But yeah. I, I, my guess is that it still is. That worship has divided the church over personal preference, which is really sad. That is we, super sad. You did ask that question, is there a better way to worship? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that like your songs, singing a hymn isn't necessarily worship. Oh, wow. Um, if there lacks that reverence or adoration for the Lord, then you're just a clanging cymbal and noisy gong. Ooh. Don't you think? Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Um, without, yeah, I mean the, in that verse it's talking about without love, if I don't do these things in love yeah. and like love for Christ, if I'm just doing it out of, I don't know, tradition or routine, that's definitely not worship. Yeah. And so I'm like, I mean, you could, I mean, I've had, I honestly, I've had like more worship, not more, I've had worship experiences with not even Christian songs sometimes. Wow. Yes. I don't know. That's, I don't know if that's controversial, <laughs> but I'm saying it right here. You're Uh-oh. here at first. Hot take. Um, yeah. I don't know. It could have been U2 or Coldplay. I don't know yeah. who it was, but like, there's just like, there's those beautiful moments where it's like, wow, this is actually drawing me closer to God for me for some reason. And I would call that worship. I'm glad you used U2 as an example because I could say the same thing about that band. <laughs> <laughs> They're amazing. Yes. And Bono loves the Lord as far as I'm aware. He does. <laughs> totally. <Yeah. laughs> Listen to some of his lyrics. Uh, yeah. So I, I feel like as far as what worship is better, if there is a kind of worship that leads you to a more authentic expression of adoration for God, then maybe that's a better form of worship for you. But my guess is that more important than the form of worship is how you are interacting with the form of worship. You know what I mean? That's really good. For hundreds and hundreds, actually thousands of years, monks in the order of St. Benedict have been chanting the Psalms in Latin mostly, memorizing all of the Psalms. And at certain times of day, you would chant different Psalms and it was on a calendar year. And so you repeated the whole um, book of Psalms, I forget how many times in a year. And every monk has all of them memorized by the end of their lives wow. really easily because that's their form of worship. They're chanting mm. the worship of the Bible. And you could look at that and think how stale and dry and legalistic. Yeah. You could also look at that and say, wow, what a beautiful spiritual practice of meditation on the words of God. Mm-hmm. And I think the difference is your approach. Yeah, totally. Hmm. Wow. That's really good. I love this kind of, there is a huge movement outside of the church as well as inside the church of silence and solitude, mindfulness and meditation. Mm. And I found that for me, that's probably some of the times I've gotten the most close to the Lord is like out in the foothills of Boise, just sitting 
in silence and praying or just listening for the Lord. And I would completely consider those moments of worship because I'm taking time out of my day, walking a distance or driving a distance and making a, a sacrifice of sorts to get out there. Um, even when I probably, you know, you can ask my wife, I always have things to do at home. I always could do more at work, but I think there's such an importance of taking that time and spending it on the Lord, wasting that time on him. Just like that story of Mary. Wow. That's really good. And just like, just like with the songs, you could go out into the foothills or into creation and not experience God at all. Yeah. That's absolutely an option. Hmm. Um, it would be like walking through a really beautiful concert blindfolded with earmuffs or something, <laughs> because I think nature just wow. screams the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And I was going to, I was going to read part of Psalm 19 here. Um, because it's true that the Lord is just all over his creation, Mm -hmm. but we need to tap into him in order to allow our experience of creation to lead us to worship for the Lord. But I think that is absolutely like a a space where worship, authentic worship can take place. And you don't even need to be singing a song by Bethel. (laughs) It says the heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the works of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech and night to night reveals knowledge. Um, that's the New American Standard. It uses, in other translations, it uses songs like the heavens declare, like proclaim, singing. You get the sense that all of creation is singing mm-hmm. of the glory of God. I love that. Um, I think it's just beautiful. So mm-hmm. anyway, what you just tapped into, I think it's quite biblical. And we see it in Romans 1 as well. Yeah, worship has been very much put in a box for me in my life. And I feel like I've learned some of this stuff throughout my walk with the Lord of taking it out of that box and realizing that it's so much more than singing. Um... And I think worship and prayer are very synonymous. And I just, I mean, I'm realizing now just like it's anything that's like Hmm. giving adoration to God and surrendering to him. I'm reminded of Pastor Paul last week talking about being, um, what's what I'm like, uh, what I'm looking for is dependent, dependent. Thank you. Dependent on the Lord. And, I love what he talked about being like dependent on the Lord for like the financial things. But then when he brought up like being dependent on the Lord for emotional health and spiritual health and all of our needs, you know, uh-huh. our, our needs, I really kind of zoned in on finances last week and our, our needs are so much more broad than finances. And so it's like to be dependent on the Lord is to say, I don't have it in me. Lord, you have authority in my life and do as you will. And I love, like, it still is just ringing in my ears from Pastor Paul last week. That's so good. If you haven't listened to that, it's incredible. Yeah. Go back to our last episode. I'm thinking then that if, if you feel like you're called to do something that is financially insecure and unstable, but you feel like God is calling you to do it, say, 
I don't know, maybe this is kind of a classic example. The Lord is calling you to the mission field. Yeah. But you don't know if you should leave your job because you just got a promotion and it's going really well and your role in the marketplace is influential and whatever. You don't want to take your kids out of school and yada, Mm -hmm. yada. Um, But it's very clear that the Lord is calling you to the mission field. Then it's an act of worship to submit and trust that the Lord is going to take care of you. I think that's definitely a form of worship in the way that we live. Totally. The, the, the steps of faith that we take in life, even something as small as believing that you hear the Lord encouraging to you to offer someone maybe a prophetic word, but you're uncomfortable about that because you haven't done that very much or you're in an awkward setting for a prophetic word, but stepping forward and doing it in faith, I think is an act of worship. Wow. That's beautiful. Do you? No, I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it's loving God and serving God. And Mm. I feel like we were at a 30,000 view and I feel like we've just gone up to like 60,000 feet where it's like, (laughs) this is the basics of life with Christ and to love God above all else so that we can love others. I don't know. It's such really beautiful. It's just fun to talk about loving the Lord. Wow. One of the words in the definition that we read at the beginning was reverence. Hmm. And that's something that I've always, I don't know. I want to be reverent to the Lord, you mm-hmm. know, but I also know it's like a heart thing. So can I be checking my phone at church while still being reverent? Cause I know in my heart that I'm like, trust the Lord, you know, yes. I don't, I don't know. I'm not like trying to at all condemn anyone or myself. I'm just trying to process like, ha- like I want to be reverent to the Lord. What does that look like? Because I feel like the generations before us, even had more reverence where when they pray, they took their hat off, you know? Wow. And now at our church, we, we have, I tried to do it sometimes, especially if I'm around my like grandparents or something. Sure. That's good. Um, but that's now I'm only doing it for my grandparents, you know, <laughs> yeah, obviously funny. like reverence isn't tied to taking my hat off from my relationship with the Lord. Yeah. But sometimes it is. Sometimes there's moments where I'm like, I want to take my hat off. I want to take my shoes off and just like, wow. just be humble before the Lord. Cause it's like, I don't know. So I'm, I'm not sure where I'm That's going beautiful. with this, but I don't know. How are you, how do you practice reverence towards God wow. in your daily life? I, lo- I love that question. One thing it's leading me to say is I think we can really be judgmental often of other Christians because they don't look like us. Wow. And my classic example is, wow, those people in that mainline church are walking in every Sunday dressed to the nines. And like, why can't they just loosen up? They're so legalistic that they have to like dress so well. Totally. Um, And having been in churches like that plenty of times myself, I know that sometimes it's done with a legalistic heart, but the intention is reverence. Just like you said, like I want to dress to the nines because the Lord deserves my best. Wow. Like that's a beautiful sentiment. I do love that. And if you, if you find yourself or if I find myself judging other people, maybe it would be good to ask yourself the question, like what's the intention? What's the heart behind that action? Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's really good. I didn't answer your question. Your question was, how do I express reverence to the Lord in my day to day? I feel like, One is that consistently when I come to places of worship through music or prayer, I take my shoes off Hmm. and socks off. 
um, I don't put that on anybody else. Yeah. But for me, that's a physical manifestation of reminding myself that I am on holy ground mm. and I'm in the Lord's midst. And like when I feel the carpet under my toes, I'm more aware of yeah. that holiness. That's you know what beautiful. I mean? Totally. There's an example. Oh yeah. And I also want to say like, I, I do think river house is a reverent church. I do, like, I look, I look at our Sunday worship sets and there's so much adoration yes. and reverence. And right now, even where our church is at, there's this like just attention to carry the Lord's presence and to let it mm. dwell and I'm not even sure what all those things mean, but I see that like it takes reverence to do those things. Wow. And so I, I want to say that I see it in our church. It was just a thought of like, wow, I guess reverence can look like different things for different people. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's good. Yes. Yeah. I heard your point. I, I agree with you. Mm -hmm. I think that we practice reverence at River House. Absolutely. Uh, there is something so weighty about the presence of God. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of those paradoxes that we talk about sometimes at River House that God is so intimate and so tender. Jesus calls us his friend. Yeah. You know, like mm -hmm. what a fun thing. Like Or brother. It's or, like, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like some, some people, including myself, will pray and say, Abba. Like we're calling God, or not even just Abba, but Papa. Mm -hmm. Like there's a really informal relationship that I yeah. have with the Lord. And that's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And on the other side of that paradox is this re realization that God is this holy, magnificent, sovereign creator of everything. Yeah. And I am probably wrong if I'm not trembling at the thought of being in his presence, at wow. least a little bit, <laughs> you know, <laughs> totally. Because it's weighty. Yeah. His, his glory is significant and all throughout scripture particularly in the Old Testament, people were terrified of his presence. Mm -hmm. Not that they didn't love his presence, but yeah. it scared them because it was so significant and weighty. Wow. It would manifest itself in things that looked like it could lead to death. Mm -hmm. You know, like a fiery lightning bolt cloud on the top of a mountain when Moses is on Mount Sinai and all the people are terrified and they, yeah. they step back to give themselves distance from the presence of God because it's intimidating. I think... Um, I think there's something good about that reverence. Um, and yet it's devastating if that reverence drives us away from intimacy, those things have to be wow. held in tension. That is such a, that's a hard tension. Hmm. I do feel like I'm not sure exactly why or what like brought us to this point, but I think the American church has moved away from this like deep fear of God. Wow. And not to be like afraid of God, but that reverent and like mm. awe of God, I didn't grow up with as much or didn't experience. Yeah. Um, I wonder why that happened. I don't, you don't have to answer. I don't know if yeah. you know that, but like, that's probably a question for God, but like, yeah, I went like what, what mm. kind of took us away from, wow, the creator of all things. Like I, huh. I submit to you. Like I know nothing like you were, you were there when, you know, the, the walls of land were put together and, yeah. you know, like in Job, like the storehouses of snow up in the skies. Wow. So just like, it just blows me away every time. It's like, oh yeah, God, you, you're bigger than I am. <laughs> you're, like you're so much <laughs> mightier. And like, thank you for, for just like meeting wow. me in this place, like let alone like loving me. Wow. Oh God. 
That's good stuff. Oh, <laughs> I feel his presence. Mm. I I recognized that a little bit when um, I've had the privilege of traveling a fair amount in my life. And one of the places I traveled to was Greece. And I got to see a lot of Greek Orthodox churches. Wow. And I remember at first being really bothered that all their depictions of Jesus looked really serious. Um, like I'd walk into a dome like a rotunda and at mm-hmm. the top of the dome was a gorgeous mosaic of Jesus sitting on a throne. Like he's the King on the throne, the oh, judge. Yeah. And he had a very straight face, sometimes even looking like domineering mm-hmm. and intimidating. And I, at first was thinking to myself, Oh, that's not the Jesus I know. Like the Jesus I know is that cute depiction of him. Like, Holding a baby sheep. Yeah, totally. You know? That's a picture that I said that <laughs> I was in my head before you even said that. That's really? so funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's a classic like photo. Like the sheep one, you know? Yeah, the sheep one. Yeah. Whoever took that photo was amazing. <laughs> what a moment to capture. <laughs> that was really, what a good moment. Yeah. Jesus, your skin looks really light in this photo. <laughs> Must have been the lighting. Oh my gosh. <laughs> or like that one where he's got kids around him and there's one oh, yeah. on his lap. Mm-hmm. And, and that's true. That is Jesus. It's like, Right now I'm going through revelation with the youth group and Jesus is depicted as the lion of Judah who's riding on a white horse and his robe is dipped in blood and he's got a big old sword coming out of his mouth and he's got a tattoo on his left thigh that says (laughs) King of Things and Lord of Lords. And his voice sounds like roaring waters and there's like, wow. And he's just a bloody little sheep Mm. that is still standing even though he's been killed. And like, that's wild. That is, oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. Um, I feel like that juxtaposition is one of the most beautiful mysteries of God. And we ought to play in it and wrestle with it our whole lives. And we'll never reach the end of his intimacy or his grandeur. Oh, what a great line right there. Are you (laughs) kidding me? That was so good. We'll never reach the end of his intimacy or his grandeur. Don't you think? Oh, my word. I mean, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So to see one without the other is to misunderstand the Lord. And mm. and none of us understand him perfectly. But I think that's why we need community. That's why we worship in different ways. And I, I think a lot of our worship songs are designed in order to remind us of both of those things. Yeah. Like, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. It's like a tender thing. Yeah. But also in the beginning of that song, it's like your love is a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. That song is so like, Oh, like this is a significant thing. And it's like almost hurting me or I forget which Psalm it is when the Lord's waves are crashing against me, like Mm -hmm. breakers on my face. And there's something that's like, it's almost painful. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet that Psalm, if I remembered what it was, I could read it for you, but um, it's is worshipful of the love and the steadfast faithfulness of God. Wow. Um, so anyway, I, I think our worship music is often created to help us remember these aspects of Jesus yeah. and of the Lord's nature. Mm. So good. Wow. We've meandered a lot yeah, in this conversation. Totally. I hope this has made sense to everyone. <laughs> it's fun. I mean, I f- yeah, I think this is wonderful. Do you uh, feel like there's any other things you want to touch on? 
Yeah, maybe we'll just say... Yeah, how about we talk about worship at Riverhouse a teeny bit more? Okay, yeah, let's get into that. Worship through music at Riverhouse. Mm-hmm. So um, I think one thing that's important for all of us to remember who are steeped in the culture of Riverhouse is that this is not the only way worship needs to take place. Mm, yeah. And yet it's beautiful. You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. Like the spontaneous worship is prayerful and authentic so often, not always. Mm-hmm. I pray that it is always, but um, when someone is on a microphone and they break from the lyrics of a song that has been pre-written and they sing what the Holy Spirit is prompting them to sing, mm-hmm. that's an incredible encounter with worship yeah, and with the Holy Spirit's presence in the room. And... And I think to think that the Holy Spirit only shows up in the room when we do things like that is, it's definitely incorrect. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know where you are right now, listener, in terms of your experience with Riverhouse worship, but um, what I pray for myself, at least, is that I can have my heart be open to authentic experience of worship toward the Lord. Um in all realms, whether yeah. it's here at our home church or in other churches that chant the Psalms in Latin, you know? <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> <laughs> and repeat the Nicene Creed every Sunday because <laughs> theology matters to them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so I'm curious, is there anything about our worship through music space, Jace, that has ever challenged you? Um, that's a great question. Yeah, I think there's been times, I mean, there's been times where I feel like where the worship leader is like really sitting on a line or repeating something, but I'm somewhere else, you know, not like out of like a worship mindset, but just in a different place with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've had a hard time sometimes thinking I'm not with it. Like I'm not sensing the same things that they are or I'm not quite as in tune, but I think I've had to realize that, you know, the Lord's going to show up in different ways to different people. And it's okay if I'm not on the ground crying during one song, um, when the people around me are, or if I'm sitting down, I've, I've found myself actually on Sundays more just sitting with the Lord, like at my chair Mm -hmm. in quiet, which is a kind of a newer thing for me because I would more stand up and, and move around and, but I've like had just released like, that's okay. Like this is like, I feel like what I want to give to the Lord is like a lower place right now. Wow. In stature. And that's where I feel like I'm being able to focus and encounter him more. I don't know. That's kind of a lot of things in there. I kind of rambled. No, that was excellent. Oh, thank you. I'm thinking about a meeting that I had with someone from our church, not all that long ago that was telling me she sometimes has felt pressured to worship in a certain way Hmm. so that she looked like what other people look like when they worship. Yeah. And I felt that pressure too. I I have also felt that pressure Mm -hmm. and it's a bummer. Yeah. Because that breeds inauthenticity. Mm -hmm. And yet there's something about like exciting expressions of worship that I think have also created freedom for me to experience the Lord Mm -hmm. 
how I want to. And like, yeah. sometimes I jump around and oh, yeah. like spin in circles and get excited Absolutely. in the middle of a worship song. Yeah. And, and when I do that and it's out of just this brimming joy yeah, for so God's good. presence in my midst, I, that, that's so fun. And mm-hmm. I think it's got to delight the Lord's heart so much. Um, but if I'm doing that in order to like, look like the person next mm-hmm. to me who's doing that, yeah, then again, I, I think we've removed the worship from that scenario. You're not really worshiping anymore. You're just spinning or you, jumping. You're not, you're having, you're taking authority for yourself so that you look a certain way to other people Wow. and not allowing the Lord to kind of move through you or that reverence to move through you in a way that's more authentic. I I think, I think what's always been hard is I feel like the worship leaders do a good job of like stand, sit, kneel, whatever you want kind of a mm-hmm. thing. But there's just, we kind of associate what is good with like what is on the stage sometimes, you know, mm. and we forget that there's people all around the world weren't worshiping in a million different ways that are completely authentic. Wow. And so it doesn't have to look like the classic, like Bethel worship leader that's up mm-hmm. there swaying back and forth with their arms out, you know, like that's a beautiful thing. And you feel like, and I'm there completely in tune and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. But I've been in, countries in uh, um, other parts of the world where they just have a single drum and they're all clapping along, sitting down cross-legged and it's like completely different, yeah. but like it's complete, like with that heart of worship, it doesn't matter what it looks like. So we need to like release that pressure off of us. Oh, I'm beautiful. also preaching to the choir here too. Oh, that's beautiful. Wow. Even that phrase preaching to the choir <laughs> I used that for a long time before I even knew what that meant. Mm-hmm. But when you preach to the choir, you're talking about like the choir that's always sitting in church is the one that's always hearing the preaching. Yeah. They're always there. So they probably don't need to hear the sermon. I'm thinking for hundreds of years, the only worship through song that happened in the Roman Catholic church, especially was done by the choir. Oh, wow. And the people who came to church just sat there and listened to the hymns sung in Latin and didn't even sing along. They were being like the, the choir was worshiping on their behalf. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? So in that, in that like middle age Catholic church, you could, of course you could critique that all day long. Yeah. There are obvious problems there. And yet there's something kind of beautiful about the church inviting people to just come and you don't have to do anything. You don't have to perform. You just like receive this worship. Mm -hmm. Um, And in a way, maybe that was a worshipful thing just to be present in the room. Yeah. No, (laughs) I've, I've found if you guys listening ever have a hard time just kind of connecting to worship on Sundays or even like can't focus or anything, I just sit down or stand up and like look around at other people worshiping. And like, let that start to minister to me. Not that I don't want to get into any like theological weeds, but like, like what you're saying is like, it kind of brings me into this place of worship to even like hear, um, other people worship and just let that, the, the words like bask over you. And I've had, had released myself of having to say those words, you know, mm. I don't need, like, if I'm here praying to the Lord, 
I don't have to say these words. I can let these words like be ministering to me and get me in the place of worship. Did that make sense? Yes, it did. Okay. Yeah. Like you love a song. You've never heard it before. Just listen to it. Mm-hmm. Maybe that'll, that'll be worship enough. Mm-hmm. You don't have yeah. to try and sing along. Totally. Cause that can be distracting too. It can. Mm-hmm. We are like uh, very, uh, we like our words on the screen. We like our order. Yeah. And I think sometimes the Lord just wants our presence. Wow. Wow. That's good. Hmm. What's, he's really not asking. He's not asking us to much. sing songs. You know, no. he just wants us to be near to him. He just invites us to be in relationship with him. And maybe that's what I want to come back to ultimately that I think is so beautiful about God and the Christian faith. If you look at world religions, there's something utterly unique about Christianity and it stemmed from Judaism. So Judaism shares this with us. Yeah. And that is like a deep relational connection to our creator Mm. that manifests itself in adoration. Like I adore Jesus and Jesus is a person that looks to me and calls me his friend. Like tell me where that exists in Hinduism. Totally. You know, like a Buddhist is meditating in their own mind to try and over overcome the suffering of the world and attain some kind of enlightenment. Um, it's so individualistic mm-hmm. and the Judeo Christian relationship with the Lord is so essentially relational. Mm-hmm. And I just love that. Cause I think yeah. that stems from our very relational God who we believe is triune, like mm-hmm. who is relationship in and of himself. Come on. Isn't that beautiful? That's so beautiful. And so it makes sense that like our worship of the Lord would, it would flex that relational muscles. Yeah. Like you even brought up the five love languages. I was just thinking of that too. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I, I don't really know a whole lot about Islam. They really, really focus on prayer a lot in their religion. Um, but when they do anything that sounds like music, it's typically just a chant of the Quran. Hmm. Um, you don't have like culturally, you don't have the freedom to just write a poem to God and put it to music and then sing it on a Sunday in front of other people because God isn't near. He's not with us in a loving, intimate way wow. in that worldview, but just how beautiful. I, I never want to take that for granted. Yeah, you know, that's such a good word. Even if we're sitting on a Sunday and worship at river house is going 20 minutes longer than I would like it to because I'm tired and whatever. Yeah. Um, to remember that, wow, I'm invited into relationship with the creator of the universe and me sitting here or kneeling or singing along is an example of my devotion to him. What a privilege. Yes. Yeah. Not everyone gets to yes. do that. You know what I mean? Totally. Oh, and it just, it resonates with my spirit in a way that Mm -hmm. makes me think it's just so good. Oh yeah. It's so true. It's so true. Yes. I love it. I think that truth is for us to meditate on and have it transform all parts of our lives so that we, like a tree bending beneath the weight of his glory, like slowly Mm -hmm. shaped. There's these trees on the coast of the Oregon coast. that are like, they look like they're constantly being blown by the wind because for their whole lives, the wind from the ocean is blown. And so they're constantly bent over even when the wind's not blowing. And so it's like, they still look 
I don't know. There's something to like the, wow. their lives are so marked that even when they're not actively in the presence of the Lord, like people can tell like that they've spent time with God and near God and in communion with the creator of the world. I just, I got that picture. I love that picture of those trees just <sighs> constant, like bent over from wind and wave and wind and wave. And I want to be like that tree Whoa. bending beneath the weight of his wind and glory. <laughs> I feel wrecked by that word. That was stunning. Mm. I, I want to be bent like that too. Mm-hmm. Wow. Praise Jesus. Wow. So, um, like Jay said, like our church is in a season of kind of unusual length in our worship service. Mm-hmm. And if you're new to River House, then our normal length of worship is already really long for you, most likely. Um, but we hope that this conversation has centered you around why we do it, the things that are important in worship at all. We're, we're really here to break our alabaster jars and just pour our heart out at the feet of Jesus. It's not at all focused on what we can get from it. It's completely for him. I, in fact, youth group was just last night and one of our students in beginning worship, he's a, one of our worship leaders, Jackson, he said, um, the Lord has been showing me that worship is one of the only things we do in life that is completely about him. Wow. I love that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have anything to gain from worship. I'm here for you, Lord, and you alone. That's so beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. I, Jordan even mentioned something couple weeks ago about how all across the church right now nationally i think even globally there's this movement more towards just the presence of god Mm -hmm. and trying to steward him and not make it about what he does for us but just make it about the person of jesus and his presence and yeah like there's we worship can be all kinds of things um throughout our daily lives, um, through devotions or prayer walks or any of those things. But like worship on a Sunday altogether is just strictly time that we've gifted to him that we've like Mm. sacrificed for him. Um, when we could have been making money in the world or, you know, I don't know. That was the one thing that I thought of, but like (laughs) making money, you know, it's like we are, we're not making money during those hours. We're just focused on him. And some would see that as a waste, but we see that as the most important thing to do. And like our, the really, it pales in comparison to what the Lord has done for us, you know? Yes. Hmm. Wow. That's beautiful. Wow. So this is why we worship. Yeah. In everything that we do and, and music on Sundays. I think that's a good place to put a period on it for now. Yeah, totally. I think we're going to continue to flush out this theme in the coming weeks. Uh, in a couple weeks from now, we're going to have Pastor Jordan on with us to talk about the particular move of the Spirit in our church right now. Yeah. Um, because I know it's been challenging for a lot of people. Um, and I think, yeah, this is a great introduction to where we're headed. Yeah. And I think it's, it's a conversation that's been going on for 
thousands of years. Yeah. And so a 30 minute podcast isn't going to cover everything and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I just love that we just get to spend time talking about it. Um, not only Benji and I, but just you guys listening to like, I think this is what a beautiful thing to dwell on. Yeah. And I don't, I don't believe that this time has been wasted at all because we are in the presence of the Lord right now. Amen. I've felt him throughout this podcast mm-hmm. a lot. We hope you have as well listening. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think that's, uh, that's what is worship. There we have it. It's good stuff. You'd like to join us at our worship services. We meet on Sundays at 4 p.m. currently um, in Boise, Idaho. Garden City, technically. Technically Garden City. Yeah. But yeah, check out our website (laughs) if you need to know where we worship. And we'd love for you to join us. And if you are going to church right now, please um, reach out if you're not a part of a house church. We want to get you plugged in so that you can worship with um, people in near proximity to you and bring heaven to earth um, in, in, a, in a house church in a more intimate level. So I think that's such an important way to get connected and worship together as the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's great. Please and reach out. Thanks again for tuning in. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Sounds good. Love you guys. Bye. <laughs>